It's another episode of the Lockdown Coyotes podcast. We bring back the Grow the Game series. Once again, we're highlighting people and organizations dedicated and being an integral to growing the game of hockey right here in the state of Arizona. Our guest today was a pretty played a pretty big part in the eventual transition of the Arizona State Sun Devils hockey program from ACHA club to NCAA Division One, Justin Emerson of House of Sparky and of the ASU hockey team formerly is going to be joining us in today's episode, once again, of Locked On Coyotes Grows the Game. Your Locked On Coyotes, your daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is Locked on Coyotes, your number one daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes. I'm Robin Leonia, Carl Pavlock, right beside me. I want to thank everyone for making this show your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. It's a great episode we got for you guys today. It is the continuation of the Grow the Game series, highlighting people and organizations who were instrumental in helping grow the game of hockey right here in the state of Arizona. Our next guest is uh, or was the the managing editor for a while at House of Sparky at, at for the Arizona State Sun Devils hockey team, Justin Emerson. Justin, thanks for joining us on this show. Thank you for having me. I'm sure I'm the the least exciting grow the game guest that you have in this series. So just honored to be a part of it. <laughs> no, you are uh, a big person uh in hockey in arizona uh although probably one of the lesser named ones uh although you are competing against Lindsay fry who is our first guest so <laughs> yeah like i said I've, I've got nothing on her for sure how, how many olympic medals do you have justin uh we're just we're just doing a running check that was... <laughs> you bring me on to your show not to attack me i mean come on <laughs> but, but i mean but 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 other than that, though, you know, obviously, you're, you know, that you were pretty instrumental in helping grow the game here. Um, you know, that, like we said, you were a managing editor of House of Sparky and, you know, you're pretty instrumental in bringing the team to the hockey team to NCAA. But let's let's talk about that. And before we get to that, let's, you know, maybe talk about the first few years when you were just talking, covering their club team, because that was that, you know, going on for a while because they were ACHA before they went NCAA. Yeah, they were a club team for a couple of years. And by the time I got there, they were a very well-established ACHA program. And they were, they comported themselves and kind of carried themselves, I think, a lot better and more professionally than a lot of club teams did, right? Like you kind of think of some club teams and it's guys who show up for their 10.30 p.m. game. They have a beer between periods, that kind of thing. And I mean, ASU hockey was, I've, I've heard some stories about it from before the time I got there. Carl, I think you used to, you covered the team. For a little bit every now and then uh i did for a little bit when i was uh when it was the lockout i was very young and i got in trouble for having a beer in the press box uh see that that's some club hockey stuff right there (laughs) but i will say i got in trouble for it and told not to do it anymore so at least they had the respect to be like 
All right, no more drinking in the press box. Um, yeah, like it's too bad there's not a, like a no drinking in the press box sign that we could have attributed to you. Um, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> my freshman year at ASU, and it was it was funny. I I applied for the state press, the school newspaper at ASU, and they just threw me on on the bottom rung of it. Like there was so many NCAA sports that they covered and ASU hockey was the club sport, but it was like, had a big enough following that they covered it. So it was the unpaid job that the freshmen did. And the year that I, I covered the team, they, they made it to the tournament. I think maybe the national semifinals or quarterfinals, they went pretty far into the tournament. And then my sophomore year, I really ramped up covering it. And, um, that year they, um, was a, that would have been the year that they won. Uh, my sophomore year, they went to Delaware, and I got the opportunity of a lifetime to travel to uh, to Newark, Delaware, like the third most popular to Newark in uh, on the Eastern Seaboard. But it was a lot of fun, and they won a national championship, and that kind of that kind of spurred a lot more interest because they won sometime in March. The Frozen Four was a couple of weeks later, and people at ASU who maybe aren't super big college hockey fans were like, well, ASU just won a national championship. What, what's the frozen for? What, why is this different? So, so I wrote this, so I had this idea to write this big story about why they were different and why, um, what the differences between club and NCAA are and why, uh, ASU will not be an NCAA team. So I had an interview with the athletic director, Ray Anderson. And I'm like, yeah, what's, what is the holdup? Like, why is ASU not a division one team? They're very clearly, um, a good program. And he's like, it's money. If money, you know, we just don't have the money to finance it. And I'm like, well, what if the money showed up? And it almost sounds like going back on it that I was leading him into something like I've got something, but no, I had no idea. I'm like, just hypothetically, what if the money showed up? Uh, he's like, well, then we do everything we could. So on my way out of the interview, I think I was in the elevator. I called Greg Powers, the head coach at the time. And I'm like, Hey, this is the interview I just had. Help me come up with a number. Like what, how much money would be needed to make ASU a division one program? And he said, mm, I think we could do it with 30 to $40 million, that size donation. So I wrote the story and I put the 30 to $40 million number in. And then um, some donors read, read, uh, read my story and, and called Ray Anderson and said, Hey, I've got some money. How serious were you about it? And it, one thing led to another and it happened very fast. I wrote that story in May or June and, by November, they were announcing that ASU was going to go Division One. So there was a there was a committed group of donors who deserve much more credit than than I do. I mean, I wrote a story; they actually did the work um, to making the program. But my favorite thing about that is uh, to this day, Powers. I've asked him, and he's like, "Yeah, I wish I didn't say thirty to forty. I wish I said like seventy to eighty, so we'd have even more money with the program." But um, yeah, it happened, and they were they played that next year, and they were they've been at Oceanside ever since until. Uh, until this coming fall, so I'm pretty excited to get down to a game in a in a brand new hockey barn uh, down on campus. I do have to ask you really quick about Oceanside because I would I visited a couple times for ACHA games. Um, did you have an oversized coat anytime you visited there? Because I feel like I had to. Did I have what an oversized coat? Because those because it's so cold in there. Oh, I double socked it. I wore gloves that I was trying to tweet through it. I I call it the coldest ice rink in America. I think they. Uh, I think I, I think it's because it's so hot outside that they have to crank the AC to about negative ten to make the ice not melt. But uh, yeah, it is very cold. <laughs> there, there was another team just before ASU, like right around that same time, that made the jump to NCAA. Right? I think it was Penn Pittsburgh. Penn State. 
Oh, Penn State. Yeah. So and, and it, the model for ASU was they saw that what had Penn State had done, and it was it was a different scenario because they had I think it was like a hundred and twenty million dollar donation from the from the Pagula family who was alumni who owned the Sabres and the Bills. So they had a lot of money, but that donation included an arena. And I think it was that 120 million or whatever the number was. I, d- I don't remember off the top of my head that scared off a lot of other programs. Cause that's just not realistic. Like you're talking that much money is just not realistic for a lot of places, but 30 million, you know, maybe that's a little bit more. And since ASU's made the jump and maybe Penn state started it, maybe it was ASU. We've seen a lot more programs come up, um, since then so i think we're up to i don't know i think asu was number 60 and there's like 64 or 65 for this coming season some some random schools that you wouldn't even think of like i know long island university has a division one program and lindenwood i think is making the jump they were an acha rival with asu for a while but yeah so penn state did it asu did it and it's just kind of spiraled to a lot of smaller schools i think a lot of people thought maybe those like two big brand name power five schools would maybe spur a USC or a UCLA or some other, some other big name schools, but I still have hope Pac 12 hockey. Well, I guess big 10 hockey. Now, if you're talking eight USC and UCLA, I mean, there there's definitely still the other shoe to drop. Like we need U of a to get their hockey program going. Uh, But I mean, just to get that rivalry, uh, and they are getting a new arena kind of situation. We talked to to someone about that in a previous episode. So, you know, hopefully when they're not driving up to Chandler every single day. <laughs> yeah, I dream about the ASU U of A outdoor game at Sun Devil Stadium. Like that would be fantastic. Oh, oh God, <laughs> that that would, that be, would be fantastic. It'd be incredible. Uh, It'd be incredible. We. We need uh, the Coyotes to get an outdoor game and then have like that same, you know, time get the ASU U of A outdoor game. Uh, just have it be plenty of outdoor hockey. Uh, let's get so the Coyotes gonna... their own arena to play them. We get them an outdoor game. So what we're gonna do to get that to happen is we're gonna make sure that the that their that their proposed new arena on, in Tempe gets built. That way, it's like, hey, there's a stadium. Sun Devil Stadium right is the literally yeah, right yeah. there. Yeah. It's just down the street. So let's have an outdoor game there. So like, Gary, instead of a draft or an all-star game, give us the outdoor game because we yeah, can do a lot more. It could be a great weekend of hockey. You get ASU, U of A on like Friday or whatever. And then Saturday you have the Coyotes and I don't know, the Golden Knights or whoever whoever's nearby. I mean, that's the best desert team around. So <laughs> to do it. <laughs> All, I would still do LA. Central Division a- like the like the Minnesota Wild or something. <laughs> Uh, that that would be that would be fun um and definitely one of those things where i don't know about you but when i first started writing about the coyotes and asu like just completely outside of the realm of possibility that it would ever happen but as we go like more and more it seems you know possible like down the line the coyotes could get an outdoor game uh gary bettman has already promised him a draft and an all-star game so why not promised an all-star game like 15 years ago like maybe (laughs) hold the the fire a little bit more on that one Uh, until they get the arena built i don't think anyone can hold their gary bettman's feet to the fire on anything i mean you got it for whatever it's worth like you've got to give him credit for his just undying commitment to having hockey in arizona like i feel like any other commissioner would have just given up and moved him to houston a long time ago we've we've had so many people like just joke around and say like if this thing gets built 
The Coyotes better put a statue of Gary Bettman right now. <laughs> yeah, Gary Bettman Arena in downtown Tempe. Um, Arizona, the only place in hockey where Gary Bettman gets cheered and Wayne Gretzky gets booed. <laughs> I love that line. And it's also uh, just just so true. Just so true. <laughs> Absolutely love it. We still got more to get to, though, on this episode of Locked On Coyotes. We're talking about Justin Emerson as uh, we're talking the growth of hockey in Arizona and specifically Arizona State, as well as a little bit of other Arizona-related hockey. We're going to get to more in just a moment. But first, we're going to turn to Carl for a quick word. So I have a message from our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check all your betting needs. You can find all your latest sports and events at the number one spot for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf bet online continues to be the top resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts they have you covered you can head over to bet online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action happening today bet online where the game starts all right so now let's continue this episode justin i think before i want to get like i do want to talk about maybe like what like you hoped for to see because obviously you're a part of you, you're a big part of it before but i i want to ask you some of your favorite memories covering the team you know as they were getting ready to transition because you said because you worked for the team when they when it was hybrid d like d1 and in still a club like how did that work and maybe sort of some of the fun things that went around during that time yeah it was it was interesting so the first year that they were division one they played they were a fully division one team but they played what they call the hybrid schedule. So it was, they were played about half division one opponents, only a couple at home. Um, and then some ACHA opponents, they played U of A in their first ever game uh, as a division one program. I think it was like seven, nothing or something. It was a lot of fun yeah. for everybody who, uh, you know, didn't go to U of A. Um, but, um, and then they played uh, some Canadian teams. They played the U S national development team who I, I'm pretty sure, and I'd have to look back, I'm pretty sure Clayton Keller was on that team, which is kind of fun. So the first time I think he played hockey in Arizona was against uh, ASU. Um, I'd have to check that. But, um, no, it it was a lot of fun. I remember the first ever road trip. They played U of A at home to start their season, and then that next weekend they went to Alaska for a tournament. And they um, they played Anchorage in their first game and lost three to two or something like that. It was a really close game, but it was kind of that belief that it's like, Hey, this is our first division one opponent we've ever had. And we hung with them. Like we were close. Like it was tied in the third period. And then that next night they played Fairbanks and they won in overtime and just, it was, you know, a smaller arena. There was, there couldn't have been more than a couple hundred people. It was a, like a couple thousand seat arena, but it was like the student section. And then just a couple of fans playing in this arena in Anchorage. But the amount of cheers that were coming from the ASU bench and the people that had made the trip and that were there and then just the jubilation in the locker room afterwards the fact that they had won this won a division one game like hey we belong here like we this isn't just uh some fluky thing was was incredible and i remember that ryan belonger who scored the overtime goal um was named the player of the game or something so they gave him an alaskan hunting knife as a uh like the trophy and he just looked at it like how am I getting this home? Like I can't bring this on the plane and ended up packing it. And I have no idea where that is or what he was doing with it, but 
that first game was just unbelievable. And then once Division One teams came to town, UConn came to town from a tournament. Uh, Yale came that year, and uh, St. Cloud. No, they went on the road to St. Cloud. But um, just having actual Division One teams with drafted players that have played big games, it was just incredible. It was such a feeling of wow, we're a long way from you know playing whoever at some random night at Oceanside. And it was, it was a spectacular season. It was a ton of fun. And uh, it was, and I, I will, I'll remember that year forever. It was, it was a blast. Yeah. Because it's not like when ASU went NCAA, they got like a whole new team full of players. It was the, the largely the same people from the ACHA club playing against what I imagine must've been like, very tough competition for them. Um, and they were, like you said, able to hang in there and win. And that was definitely great to see. I know I had stopped writing about uh, ASU at the time, but just kind of watching it from the side, seeing my alma mater, I was like, wow, they're they're actually having success in the NCAA. It's crazy. Yeah, they were, I mean, they were the best ACHA team they had been for a couple of years. They had uh, prospects who had NCAA offers, um, but decided to play at ASU, even when they were a club team. So they brought up about half of that team and then went out and recruited uh, for the rest of them. But the issue was they announced in November uh, that they were going Division One and that they were going to start play that next October. And hockey prospects commit years in advance. So they were kind of taking who for players who, for whatever reason, were still available less than a year before they were going to start college hockey. So, And some of them were pretty good. I remember Jordan Masters was a player on that first team. He had a terrific season. The goalie, um, Ryland Pashevitz was his name, and I have no idea what have come of these guys because I don't think they stuck with the team too much longer. But I remember Pashevitz played against Quinnipiac, who I want to say went to the Frozen Four that year. And we can focus on the fact that he allowed six goals in the game, or we can focus on the fact that he made 55 saves. So, like, there was definitely a talent discrepancy between the high-end NCAA teams and ASU. They, I mean, they they just weren't competing with, with the really good teams. But the teams like Fairbanks, they swept to Lake Superior State on the road. So some of those teams that were kind of at the lower level, ASU was hanging with them. They weren't the worst team in college hockey. And that's what a lot of people thought that they might be. And the fact that they were winning some of these games and competing with others was was a huge testament to the work that they've done. And they just kept building that and made the tournament two years later. They had drafted players. Joey Decords played in the NHL. Josh Doan was a second-round pick. So they've got some real high-end talent that's coming in, and that's just going to continue now that they have an arena. Yeah, and I was going to you know, mention some of those players too um, and just overall that growth in the last few years because, like, yeah, they did grow pretty fast from, you know, that first year. Um, and I'll ask this. What does this say about, you know, he- their head coach, Greg Powers? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm such a big Greg Powers fan, and I'll, I'll tell anybody that the work that he's done at that program is just spectacular because he did such a good job at the club level of taking this team, making it a serious – enterprise right like it's like i said at the beginning it's club hockey you can kind of treat it however you want but as soon as he got there he's like no we're going to take this seriously we're going to go out and recruit players and they might laugh us off but we're going to get some good players that want to come play hockey in tempe and maybe they're not going to play in the nhl or they're not going to play division one hockey but they're going to come and have a great college experience and play some high level hockey and they did and they won a national championship at the acha level and the work that he's done since they brought it to the ncaa i don't think anybody's surprised because he's such a good recruiter he's such a good coach he 
brings in assistant coaches who I think are still there from day one. And that's that in itself is remarkable. So yeah, he's, he's a terrific coach. He's, he was the exact right person to relieve that program. And I'm uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to say hi uh, whenever I come to town uh, in their new arena next season. Yeah. I remember talking to, to not coach powers, but I think the, the general manager and he said like, yeah, we would just bring down like a kid from Winnipeg, show him Arizona weather, walk him <laughs> around ASU and be like, yeah, do, do you want to play here? Um, and they'd be like, heck yeah, I want to play here. Uh, and I remember, um, I remember that when they brought Connor geeky down for, for prospect development camp kid from Winnipeg is just like, Oh my God, I love it here. And it's like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's how ASU could get players. One of my one of my big stories that I wrote the year that they won the um, national championship, the ACHA player of the year that year, his name was Kale Delinsky. He's from um, somewhere in Saskatchewan. I don't remember exactly. He came across the border. He played ACHA at Minot State, and after his freshman year, they came down to ASU, and he's like, "Oh my god." what am I doing playing in wherever North Dakota when I could be down here? He transferred like right away. And then he was like a two point per game type player at the club level, just because at that level, you, if you were just that much better, you could put up hilarious stats. And I think at one point he, like, I think against U of A, it's, he had like 20 career games against U of A. I swear he had like 60 points or something like that. Um, yeah. I'm going to get as many U of A digs as I can in there, Robin. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> But, I do uh, remember quite a few, like, I think 11 10-0 wins over U of A. Uh, well, I, although I did see the one match where U of A broke their losing streak for, like, yeah. years. Uh, and I have never seen a happier group of people. Um, and for the Sun Devils, I was like, man, that sucks. We're just going to move on with our life. Um, yeah, they, I think they had they – had- beating the whatever out of them the night before it was like eight one eight nothing something like that and then the next yeah. night they lost two to one to u of a and it was the first time in like whatever like five or six years that u of a had won and uh yeah it broke so it like brought powers career coaching record against u of a to like 39 and one and uh he was he was pretty mad about that one so they went down to u of a i think that next weekend and put up like 20 goals in two games like yeah that's not happening again and uh but yeah i remember talking to the to the u of a coach at the time who was a really cool guy and he was just like yeah that rocked that was so much fun like i don't know how often we're gonna beat him but the fact that we did this time it ruled <laughs> that's amazing uh yeah i mean obviously like that that, that you the u of a teams now are slowly getting better i'm hoping <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give all the praise i can for chad berman he actually he's doing whatever he can for the u of a team yeah he's, um, a, good, he's a good guy i like chad a lot and i mean the coyotes were able to reform their or not the coyotes the uh sun devils were able to reform their program without a new arena u of a is gonna get a new arena very soon so there's no reason if they don't make the ncaa other than you know they're just an inferior school and team (laughs) well that's true that's true for sure but i mean i i would love to see u of a we have a division one program i'd love to see them have enough success at the ACHA level to boost them up because it, w- it would be a lot of fun for the rivalry. And I think that's one thing that could grow hockey in Arizona, maybe more than anything else other than uh, a Coyotes deep playoff run is being able to see ASU and U of A because it's so heated at basketball and football and everything. And if you could add hockey to that mix with real NCAA stakes, you know, maybe they are playing and, 
it comes down to whoever's better in the pairwise after they win for the last spot in the at large for the tournament, that kind of thing. Like that would be incredible. I would love that. So it, it, it would be fantastic. Plus, you know, the outdoor game that I've been pitching to nobody for years. <gasps> Can you imagine ASU U of A in the frozen four? Incredible. That, yeah. Awesome. And it would, it would, it would, it would make, the brains of people from traditional hockey markets just explode if there's like no Boston teams and two Arizona teams, which is kind of what I'm all about. Just like from Arizona work, I covered Vegas hockey for years, just like hockey in the desert rocks and anybody that looks down on it kind of sucks. So, yeah, because there's something special about and, and it goes back to what you were saying about, you know, bringing in prospects down here and just showing them the weather. It's like, like for us down here covering the sport, like we cup, like we're inside at the ice rink and it's cold, but like we go outside and it's the weather's perfect. It's like we can just leave in shorts and flip flops. Like as, as people from Arizona, we get to claim Austin Matthews, of course, but I also like to fake claim Sean Couturier and Matthew Kachuk, who were both born in Phoenix when their parents were traveling or whatever. I think Matthew was born when Keith was playing for the Coyotes, so uh, he was technically born in Phoenix. So I think he goes down as the best player born in Phoenix because I'm pretty sure Matthews was born in California. But um, yes. yeah, San Jose, right? Isn't that where you're from, Robin? Um, yeah, I'm from San Jose. But I think he was born in like Santa Rosa. Oh, okay. I got the Santa. So wrong. Bay Area still, but there's a thousand of them over there. But uh, yeah, no, and we're just going to see more players like that, right? Like Josh Doan came up through the Arizona system, and I'm pretty sure. And um, you're just going to see a lot of players like that as it continues to grow because the Coyotes came around 25 years ago. Well, it's not a coincidence that a guy like Austin Matthews is 25 and a guy like Josh Doan is 20, and you're just going to see that more and more. And I hope that the coyotes can get their arena situation figured out and this what's called an aggressive rebuild uh bears fruit and uh that the team can get have some success in a couple of years because that would that would be just so good for arizona hockey let me ask real quick too about um what your your thoughts on the coyotes and the sun devils sharing an arena for a few years i mean i mean I don't think I'm going to say anything that your listeners haven't heard. I mean, it's embarrassing for an NHL team to be at a college rank. I think everybody knows that. And anybody that's that's saying differently is kind of fooling themselves. And maybe it is the best situation for a couple of years. And if it leads to, you know, this beautiful arena in Tempe at the same time that Austin Matthews becomes a free agent from the Maple Leafs, then, hey, maybe it's all worth it. Um, I, I, I don't know how they're going to get guys to ever sign free agent contracts to come play there whatever it's a good thing that they're not trying to be good for a couple of years but hopefully it all pays off and it does end up being worth it and it's not something because if they can't get the arena in tempe figured out and they're playing at asu and then they end up whatever moving to houston or quebec city or whatever the hot new city that arizona is going to move to as they have for the last 20 years then um then I mean that would suck, but I'd I'd love to see. Like I said, the Coyotes have some success, but I don't. Know, I can't see it happening in the next couple of years when you're playing in a college barn. Uh, I mean, I will I will say the fact that they attracted like Nate Smith and Jack McBain to like even come as NCAA free agents to Arizona. Like that's that's pretty big. Uh, I, I remember the Coyotes' struggles to get Blake Wheeler to sign with the team. Um, and I did do a Twitter space with Craig Morgan yesterday when we're recording this. Not sure when you're listening to it, what day we're going to be putting this out. Um, but he said that the mayor and vice mayor see no issues with the arena coming through. Uh, of course, you know, it's still early. The actual proposal hasn't been submitted, yada, yada, yada. But I think right now 
they're in they're in a pretty good place with that. Um, and I do think the fact that the Coyotes went to ASU for this partnership over going to like you know Veterans Memorial Coliseum kind of shows like yeah we want to be involved in Tempe uh, even though Tempe and ASU are currently in a legal battle over my favorite ramen spot. Uh, they still are very important to each other. So, yeah. And I, and I, I would just, I, I think about what that arena could do and steady ownership. And for the first time in 15 years, if people don't have to hear about coyotes relocation rumors, because they they're grading at a certain point, like they haven't moved yet until something happens, they're not going to move. So everybody likes to talk about them moving, but they're just not going to, and in the immediate future, but you look at, well, are they going to be able to draw? They didn't draw people to Glendale. It's like, well, the hurricanes didn't draw anybody to Raleigh and the Panthers didn't draw anybody to sunrise. And then they started winning and then they did. And that's just how it works in the Arizona market. Like the diamondbacks aren't drawing anybody right now uh, because they're not winning games, but the Suns weren't filling their arena until they started winning. And that's just how it works, right? Like if you've got an arena, it's a beautiful place. It's on the East side where hockey fans are. If the coyotes are in a brand new arena in Tempe and they make a playoff push, that building's going to be full. I'm certain of that. So I think the talk of Arizona as a bad hockey market is wildly off base. And, you know, you hear all the, you know, it sounds like excuses from the outside. Well, they're out in Glendale and the traffic's terrible and they're not winning games and they're not getting free agents. And it's all true. But if all that changes, suddenly people come. I, I'm optimistic about the Coyotes future in Arizona. I, I really am. And I, I'd love to see them get good. It'll give me a reason to, to bust the Kachina jersey out of the closet that I've had for three years. <laughs> uh, absolutely love it. Yeah. I mean, like I, we're, we're all hoping that, that Tempe, that Tempe, like it just falls to fruition because it's like, that would be huge for this market. Absolutely. Yeah. I would love to take the light rail to the, uh, to the game. That'd be fun. As opposed to driving on three highways to get to Glendale. It it's sucks. Just, like, like trying to get from downtown to Glendale in time for a game. Trying to get to the I-10 at, at 5.30 is, is, is a, I think, a circle of hell that Dante wrote about. Um, but uh, to be able to have the light rail there, in, it's right on the water. Like, everything's so good about it. I get so excited to see it, and I can't wait to go to a game there. One of the things I really I, would love to see if this thing gets built is just, like, like as much as, like, there's a, you know, there's a special, you know, thing first you know sun devils fans at, at desert financial arena for basketball imagine if they just put like for like a u of a asu basketball game like right there in in the new arena just kind of oh, like the Coyotes new arena if they got yeah. one oh, yeah. that'd be great that'd be awesome that'd be I mean, to you, a lot, a lot more right fans there. in there right <laughs> you can walk right there i mean it's not far I remember when people were talking about getting more ASU students to Coyotes games and there was always like student rushes and, you know, cheap a seat for $25, get a, get a hot dog for a buck. Um, but they would have to like bus people from Tempe. And like, I looked at those bus schedules and I was like, no one's going to do that unless you like have the open to schedule. Like, yeah, I it's just to- not happening. I lived in downtown Phoenix in college. I went to plenty of Diamondbacks and Suns games because I got cheap tickets and I could walk. But like going to Coyotes games was tougher because if you're a college student on a Saturday night, are you really going to take, by the time you get the traffic, like five hours out of your day to go to a hockey game, or are you going to stay in your dorm and drink? Well, ASU is a dry campus, so of course, never in the dorm. But but yeah, I mean, and having them right there would be be fantastic too because that'd be, you know, you do the ASU college nights, you get a bunch of ASU fans, they can walk back to their dorm at the end of the night. So, And like I said, 
close to the light rail. So no more worrying about drinking and driving, which is, yeah, uh, yeah definitely a thing that no one does at, you know, coyotes or hockey games in general. No, never. Absolutely. Anyways, Justin, really thank you for coming on. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us about ASU hockey, about the Coyotes hockey, or anything that you have you know, going on that you'd like to share with us? Uh, well, I live in Las Vegas now, so as often as ASU wants to come uh, play here, that would be fantastic. I'm pretty sure they're, I think it's this year they're playing North Dakota uh, in like October or something. So that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun. My kid was born last October, so maybe his first hockey game will be an ASU game. That'd be a lot of fun. So nice. thank you. Thank you both for having me on. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. Um, it was a great, great conversation. And maybe we'll bring you on again sometime soon because it was, um, you know, we, we love talking about hockey with a lot of people. Anytime. Thank you both. Anyway, that's going to be it for today's episode of Locked on Coyotes. If you like what you heard, don't forget to leave a review. Like, comment, subscribe if you have yet to already. We're available everywhere you get your podcasts, including on YouTube. Don't forget to interact with us on social media. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked on Coyotes. On Instagram at Locked on Coyotes. And on Twitter at LO underscore Coyotes. I am personally at Robin underscore Leonio. That's Robin with the Y underscore L-E-A-N-O. Carl Pavlock is Carl Pavlock F-F-H. Interact with us. Ask a question you might have. We might answer right back or on a future episode of the Locked On Coyotes podcast. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in today's episode. Hope you're staying safe out there. Hope you're staying healthy. And don't forget to howl on.